0: Or listening to the running public
1: from marathoners to mud runners,
0: we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster that's right. This podcast is for you guys. the running public this is uh this is a little different jason um I'm not going to say we're often the hired talent, but recently we've been the hired talent, and I feel like uh the tide has turned today, Jason. You are the hired talent today, so to speak. Concept- I'm the guest.
2: Yeah. I I've been a guest on, let's see, on Mike Stepno's Obstacle Running Adventures, and on, um, <clears throat> what's um?
1: Mike really gets around, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, I'm a Spartan podcast, so I've been a guest a couple of times. So it's it's fun. I really enjoy it. But you guys are, uh, I mean, y'all have been. Like Y'all were talking about running, so why am I on here? I don't know, but I'm very honored.
1: (laughs) This was Kirk's idea. Kirk said, I think we should really do this. I think people need to hear this. I told Lisa, because Lisa always says, who who are you recording with this week? And I tell her, and she goes, oh, yeah, that should be good. And this time her eyes lit up, and she said, I think this is so important to do. This is really good. People need to hear this. So in a sample size of one, the audience (laughs) is fired up for you today, Jason. Well, that's exciting.
0: Um, Jason, you had a podcast and I just looked before uh we hopped on here to see I was like, is he still doing that? And your last episode's from two thousand twenty one, right? Yeah. You gave up on the podcast stream? What happened?
2: Well, live streaming happened. And mm-hmm. as you guys know, podcasting takes a lot of time. You know, not only recording a show, but also doing editing. And when I started mine, that was kind of one of my like I want to make sure that I edit better than what's out there right now. I mean, some of them were edited very well, but some of them weren't. So I was like, that was kind of my purpose is I want to do it where I think I can better to kind of fill those, those voids. And so, yeah, it just took way too much time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, lucky for me, I don't do any of the editing back and is stuck with that task. And I owe him, I am in debt forever. Jason, I wanted to pay you. A compliment you don't know I'm going to pay you right now, off the bat, with your old podcast called OCR Talk. I don't know, Bracken, did you ever listen to OCR Talk?
1: I listened to, I want to say three episodes.
2: Was the April Fool's episode one of them? No. Oh, That's the best one.
1: I didn't know about that. So, it is, to shortcut you first, or cut in yeah, front yeah. of you, yeah. it's important to know that Matt Davis gets always eternally frustrated with me because I do not listen to OCR podcasts unless I have a specific reason to. I'm just not a podcast person, which is ironic. Yeah, no worries. So if someone says you need to listen to this or I see a post or a headline and the title just really intrigues me, I'll do it. But I'm like an author who doesn't read. It's very strange. <laughs> Go ahead, Kirk. So don't take it personally that I've only listened to three. No, not at all. Because that's three more than most podcasts out there.
0: Well, I've only listened to one. Okay, And (laughs) I will tell you, Jason, that you have put out to date the best OCR media content in the one episode that I listened to. Better than anything (laughs) The Running Public has done, better than anything Obstacle Racing Media has done. I don't know if it was your April Fool's episode, but it was a parody episode where you were mocking all of the other podcasts. Is that the the April Fool's episode? And yep. it was, it was a half an hour of podcasting brilliance and I kept hearing about it. So I went back and listened. I was like, I, I didn't know you then. I was like, I like this guy. <laughs> so what, tell, tell people what you did, because if you didn't, I just looked it up. OCR talk is still on the podcast. Like if you go to Spotify or Apple podcasts and this episode is worth going back and listening to, and it's the best thing better than anything we've ever created. <laughs> so tell people what it was. It was hilarious.
2: Yeah, just looking at all the the podcasts that are out at, that were out at the time, uh, yeah, everybody's got their little nuances about how they do things. So we just tried to, you know, caricature that and bring it out, uh me and Anna Landry with my co-host, uh so we we just did as many different podcasts as we could and focused on what makes them that podcast. And so we did uh ORM with Matt and Josh and we did Mike and Caitlin, and even did um, um did Heather Bodie. Heather Bodie, like the very soft spoken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Anna did that; it was really good. And uh, Scott Will Knowles, Hicks, maybe. And, yep, the um, Will Hicks, and because that was like shortly after he started the uh, the OCR report, so he had two podcasts at the time. So it was like this is another mix, and it was like twenty different podcasts put together. And uh, Scott Knowles with the very thick uh, Southern accent, that was fun. And I even added in a commercial with uh, Ryan Kent for some reason. I don't know. Did Hunter, (laughs) you know, Hunter on Obstacle Dominator. It was a good time. It was, uh, I I felt, I wish I could have prepped for it longer uh, because it it did turn out really well, but I know like, you know, if I would have really put some time and effort, it could have been even better than what it was. But for the time, it was, I was really happy with it.
1: Did we escape the, the fire? We I think yet. so,
2: because at the time, it might have been either before Bracken, you got on Obstacle Dominator, or that's probably what it was. Mm. It was definitely before Running Public.
1: Okay. I'll have to give this a listen.
0: I thought you were so good and such a big deal that I'm not joking you. I thought to myself when we started the Running Public, I thought, I hope we make the parody episode next year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I swear to you, I really did. That thought crossed my mind more than once, and lo and behold, it never happened again. But
2: I, I did really want to do it again because it was so much fun, but uh, alas, it didn't happen. So thank you so much, though. That is a that is a high compliment. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. and you haven't heard that one, huh?
1: No, I, I have not.
0: Uh-huh. The
2: rest of the episodes are me and Anna talking a lot about local races and stuff that we've done, so we kind of filled the void of Central U.S. races, a lot of the Gauntlet, stuff like that.
1: I know two of the times I listened to you was to try to get intel on a race series that I'd never done before. Which one? I'm sure one was Conquer the Gauntlet. I don't know if it was Iowa or, or something like that. and I don't remember what the other one was, but it was times where either I was looking at running one or I had an athlete who was going to run one. and I was trying to figure out there were, weren't a ton of great videos on it, and I was trying to hear any info I could on what the obstacle and the course setup was like.
0: Nice. Did we help you? Yeah, all of that self Awesome. Very cool. So, I just want to get that out there. So people should go if you're <laughs> looking for content, go back to like 2019 or something near April and this episode's out there and it's worth going back and listening to. I'm probably overselling it at this point, but I just it <laughs> sticks out to me really big and I wanted to pay that compliment. The other thing is so not the other thing, but really to introduce you like If you're listening to this podcast, you probably have tuned in. I'd say maybe half of our listeners probably have tuned into like a live stream of a Spartan race or any of that. And nobody really knows what goes on behind the scenes. Jason Dupree is sort of the the puppeteer, we'll call it, of these recent broadcasts. I think we want to dive into a lot of that today, like that side of things, the nuances of trying to pull this off on like a mountain without service and the whole intricacies of it. Um, but I figure before we set that up, um, so yes, yeah, so this is Jason Dupree. Um, and I would say you've also, you've been with the OCI report since the beginning, or is this a recent thing?
2: Uh, maybe since 2019. So we started in 2017 and it was, you know, just me and Anna starting by herself. And because of that is how I got to know Will Hicks, you know, at the time you reach out to everybody and you find out, you know, what, what, off, uh, assistance can you offer? You know, how, what, what can I do better just getting their take on it. And so after a while of just being consistent and putting stuff out, will uh, reached out and we had conversed with them some before that. So reached out and said, Hey, you want to be part of the team? And I was like, yeah, that'd be fun. He, he's a cool guy. I like him.
0: Okay. So, so who is the founder of OCI report? Will Hicks, right? Yes. And you hopped on board shortly afterwards
2: yeah he had started with obstacle run adventures and overcome and run and I feel like there was one more, maybe not maybe it was just those two, but of course, world's toughest podcast and the SCR report as well
0: okay um I just wanted to get that sort of origin, so I understood that um but what i what I wanna to do not to retract but is understand like how you got in this space to start with like i just i don't even know you as like a human very well other than interactions for like our live broadcasting Breck and I don't know if you do but I'm actually very curious how you ended up like here I guess sure. to keep it simple. No
1: we've been all business anytime we interact yeah. it's yeah. only for a mission.
0: Yeah
2: you guys have been remote so we haven't gotten a chance to hang out post race you know I've spent a lot of time with Jack in the car <laughs> from uh, <laughs> Vancouver to Kelowna um, so yeah uh, well I started in OCR in 2013 just because I at the time was 30, I don't know, 30 or so. And I was like, I need to get in shape because I'm a middle-aged getting a a belly guy. And so I learned, I finally started to be able to run and uh, got into, did a Spartan race. Did like two different OCRs in 2013. Did the trifecta the next year, did three trifectas the year after that. And then started finding like, you know, every possible race to do. And, uh, you know, I think I went to Tahoe in 2014 got hailed on on top of the mountain and had one of those like clarity moments of this is miserable while I was there. But the next day I just wanted to go back. That's all I could think about. <laughs> just be on, mm. back on top of the mountain. So through that, I just, you know, was absorbing all the podcasts uh, that were out there and decided to start my own just because I, I felt like there were at the time, there were gaps to fill uh, quality wise and uh, content wise. So we did that and it went it was fun and it went well and then it got to where I was like, all right, I need to uh I wanna try see if I can help live stream because that just wasn't really happening much. So I started out with like Facebook Live, uh just doing it just me running the course like that. And then it just evolved from there. But uh besides that, I like I said, middle kind of middle aged guy. Uh I, I got a job as a CAD um CAD reseller uh consultant. So I work for a CAD reseller. What I is do that? Auto-Ca- AutoCAD CAD? and Inventor, uh computer aided design. So people that are building pretty much anything, they're they're drawing it out on some kind of program or making a 3D model of it. And so I've been doing that for like 12 years now and uh I started doing that before I got into OCR actually. So um but yeah, I'm from Louisiana. Uh grew up just north of New Orleans, and moved to Texas after I got, uh, when I got married, uh, met my wife at the company I work with. And uh, she was from West Texas, and I was from Louisiana, and we kind of met in the middle. So is that succinct enough.
1: Yeah, Oh, you were one of the people that came into OCR with tech background.
2: I did because of video games, really, like I play a lot of video games. And in doing that, you do a lot of quarantine, and uh, network, you know, especially when I was younger, when the internet wasn't as prevalent, uh, <laughs> a lot of land stuff.
1: A lot of land parties in your background. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of where I got that background, and then I went to college, actually went to college for elementary education, taught sixth grade math for a couple of years, which found out it wasn't really for me, And but even in that time through college, I was like, I'm not going to change my major because I'm going to stick this out, but I really like getting into photography and graphic design and video and all that stuff so between gaming and just hobbies it kind of all made for what actually helped me get the job I have too for uh, CAD CAD stuff because I was a teacher and
1: I knew how to use software
0: I want to hear about um, oh go ahead Bracken you're going to continue on that li- line of questioning I think
1: well just kind of wrapping up the idea that most of I don't know if I want to say us, but I guess us, people who entered the media in some form in OCR uh, weren't supplanted from some other form into there. It just started new. Like you said, there was a vacuum to be filled and it was filled by whoever wanted to. And throughout the years, many of them have been washed out and probably many more of us will be as more and more people come in with actual background in in that arena. And you were, I think, the only one I know of that had previous tech experience before entering OCR. I could be wrong on that, but most people, like you said, didn't edit their podcasts or had very terrible video editing on their media. And you came in with a leg up in that regard.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's kind of like, I think Will Hicks, he had some of the better quality audio and uh, even John Coley from that works with Muggear. Now he had a a podcast called uh, more than a Mugcast, I think. And he, he had, He actually had radio background. So his quality was like superb. Like his was better than mine, even. So it's, uh, I'm sad that he doesn't do it anymore, but uh, I know he's got a good spot where he's at now. So I think he was probably the only other one that I can think of
0: that really did have a background that I know of. We worked with John for a number of years. He's doing good work over there. Yeah. He's good stuff. Yeah. So I guess, um, I want to bridge uh, a gap between athlete Jason and production Jason. Uh, One, I don't, you don't post a ton on your social media. um, So I didn't, I'm not. Well, when I started, I had, I've had
2: Facebook for forever and I posted all there. But then when I started OCR talk, I started an Instagram. I was kind of like against the Instagram at first. So I started at OCR talk Instagram. So it was all there. And then, once I stopped doing OCR talk, I went ahead and made a, a personal page. So
0: that makes sense. So I was just trying to yeah. do my due diligence and, and get <laughs> to know what's been going on with you. Um, are you okay? Have you transitioned from like athlete to production or are you still competing um, these days? Cause I didn't see much on there about it. So I just want to get up to speed yeah. on that.
2: This year was my first year saying, okay, I'm going to stop, Running every you know every race I can and try and focus on this so we can really get it going because we've been doing it for a couple of years now but it's like all right if it's really going to happen I need to focus a little more instead of trying to do everything because I love doing everything so yeah I, I I did um my my competitiveness is within age group but not even you know taking podiums or anything but you know I've got my own competitiveness competitiveness with people in my realm and so yeah i did uh i think i started running age group probably 2016 i think it was actually 2015 because i I remember i said went went to tahoe and got hailed on and it was because i was waiting with people because we were all running together and after that i was like i'm not doing this anymore i'm not waiting on people anymore (laughs) i gotta i gotta run gotta go so yeah right now no no more competitiveness at the moment
0: Okay. That's what I figured I'd seen. I just wanted to make sure that was that was tracking.
2: My metal wall has only three metals on it this year, and they're all trail races. Huh. When normally it's like that. full stuff.
0: What's What's been the pinnacle of your... And we're going to get into details with this whole broadcast thing. So, but just to lay more of a foundation, what's been the pinnacle of your uh racing career were you an endurance athlete before this or were you one of those guys who started completely cold in 2013 without an endurance background and this is this has kind of changed a little bit of the trajectory of your life sort of thing
2: completely cold uh my athlete athletic background is skateboarding did a like a year of football and you know baseball as a kid that kind of stuff but mostly skateboarding and when i started running and in my thir- early 30s, it was very apparent that I can't run fast. I don't have the lungs to run super fast for long. So you know, I can, but I can bear it out. So yeah, uh, I think going to World's Toughest in 2016 uh, and working towards that, like that was my first year to do, tw- you know, 20 miles the first time ever in my life, and then World's Toughest I did 50 miles. So it was just like that was where i started to fall in love with it, it was like okay i can i can keep going for a long time so yeah the endurance stuff has kind of taken taken my heart um it's like anything multi lap anything long distance even if i fail which i've gotten overheated and dnf multiple times but uh i think it was the first realization like i'm 12 hours in and i can still climb a rope or do you know a, a Rig and that kind of stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, wow, that's awesome that my body can handle this. So pinnacle wise would be this past year at World's Toughest. Uh, I I did fifty in 2016, did fifty in 2018, and and that was with being nauseous and stopping for two hours. So I was like, okay, I'm starting to get better. And then uh, 2016 I did, or I'm sorry, 2019 I did 60, and it was like running clean through 50 and then being destroyed for the next 10 miles. And then 21. Yeah. Last year I was like, okay, I'm going to go for 75 and I was able to pull it off. And I am still not really sure how it's impressive. Yeah.
1: There's a turning point between 60 and 70 in there from good amount of walking to you've got to be pretty purposeful to get 75.
2: Yeah, definitely running almost the entire time. Mm-hmm. Very slow run, but still still running for sure.
1: Yeah, because you can walk 50 if you do it purposefully, mm-hmm. but you can't walk 75 miles in 24 hours. Yeah. Not with obstacles.
2: The best part about that experience was I I started to slow down because I was drinking too much, I think, and so I was stopping to pee a lot. And I came in, and my wife was like, she was pitting for me, and she's like, you're not going to be able to make 75. She was just kind of kind of like heartbroken looking. And I said, uh I started picking up my pace at that point because I started stopping drinking. And I was like, that's alright. I'm, I'm having fun. I'm running. This is all great. And then uh, the next couple laps, my pace went from like an hour 45 lap to an hour 30. And I came back in and she's like, what is happening? How is your pace picking up? And the next lap was 127. Uh, and it was like, I think I can do this. And, and it just kind of had all those emotions that go along with that. Mm-hmm. and You know, starting to like break down before you even, you're not even there yet, and you're just thinking about it. That was so good.
1: That's the dream, right? Being in a long, long race and be the person who's closing and eating into time gaps. That's yeah. that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing, well, we got an athlete on our hands. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, you can't fake 75 miles. <laughs> no, that was <laughs> toughest. Nope, you cannot.
2: Dude, I, it was really hard not to race at OCRWC. I was even signed up for the 5K, the 3K. And I had to choose not to run because there was just too much to do.
0: Mm. Well, I think I'm understanding like when it comes to production here um, and that side of things uh, intertwined with like being an athlete, I think it's very important for if like it's going to be done well. I think it's important for somebody to understand the athlete and the experience in order to maybe portray it correctly for the viewer to see. And sometimes you could, you know, it would be very easy to fall short if you didn't understand the sport or what it's like to be an athlete and try to make that into something that the viewer could follow. So I think just knowing, like, you've been living as an athlete much longer than you have as, like, a producer, so to speak. And so it makes sense, that transition. So then if we're talking about that and then we're talking, like, from the very beginning, Jason decides, like, I am going to – put some content out there like what was that like igniter where did that happen
2: it was kind of like the podcast is like there's a a hold that needs to be filled there's not a lot of live stream going on now spartan was doing stuff with espn but that kind of stuff and and nbc i don't know who all they were doing it with tough mutter did some and that stuff kind of came and went it's like they realize oh this is way too expensive and so we're not going to do it so it was like okay, let's see if it's possible to do it on the cheap. And so that's where it started with, you know, just Facebook Live, running with a, a phone and doing, you know, a single single camera, no graphics, and that kind of stuff and then taking it further from there. It's like people do live streaming, how do they do it? And then it's just starting to figure it out. So I started with OBS and uh, have moved on to a, a platform called vMix and using those for production and being able to do graphics and all that stuff so just taking it to the next level of uh professionalism i guess uh still still on the cheap but uh you know just more polished
0: what what's on the cheap like
2: well i mean that's relative well right but (laughs) i can't really say a number that makes sense
0: well right no but what i what i'm not asking for a number but what (laughs) i want to know is like like i think okay to come to where you guys are today with running rabbits having cameras having the back end software all of the things like i don't even know where your like the funding is coming from i don't know how you guys make this thing go round on the cheap let alone on the expensive it's just like a very <laughs> impressive endeavor and part of it part of it has to i think bring meaning to it because i'm i'm guessing that there's also a bit of like like you're not paying your bills with this this is a service and a passion project
2: for sure above
0: anything else correct
2: yeah absolutely and as we all hope it would be wonderful if it became a full- time gig one day but uh yeah it's it's I've got a full- time job it I, I make decent money you know people I work with have full- time jobs we all there's probably the only reason why it's not uh more polished already is because we all have full time jobs that we gotta take care of reason why I did podcasts every other week instead of every week because so, it's just, you know, time commitments.
1: Mm. I think we're getting to the point right here where people are going to start to get a lot of questions answered because I mean, everyone's told if you're in the public eye at all, stay off line. Don't read the comments, but I read the comments after every single live stream we ever do because I want to know how it's received.
2: It's all on how you can take it for sure. If you can't handle hearing it, then don't look.
1: Yeah, and you, I, you can't do it for your ego. You have to do it for information-gathering purposes. Mm-hmm. And inherently, across the board, no matter how good or mediocre or bad the production is, you hear the same things, which is either, I can't believe you would put something on that I can't follow, or guys, just be happy that we have something to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of two camps, and you understand throughout there that people are either willing to put up with the stream that they get at some of these remote places or they're not. Mm -hmm. And I think both sides need to hear what goes into this and why it's going in in that way, because they were spoiled by ESPN and (laughs) NBC, but there's also a reason that those productions aren't here anymore. And I, I think like nuts to bolts here. Soup to nuts, is that the phrase? Soup to nuts. Everything <laughs> to that nuts. goes into this I think is worth explaining why races are choosing to go this route, what we and in particular you are doing on the back end and and what goes into putting out the product that is there to be praised or picked apart.
2: Well, I think from my knowledge, the stuff that was put on by Spartan and Tough Motor in the past, it you know, it was a full professional satellite trucks and yep all Mm -hmm. kinds of different devices that make it happen that we don't have. And we, you know, maybe never will because of how expensive that stuff is. I mean, I've heard numbers of, you know, close to a hundred thousand dollars for a single race to put on a production. And I don't know how realistic that is, but it, it takes a lot, a lot of people too.
1: Well, I was there for a season of that, at least when NBC was contracting through transition productions and the number that I recall was that it was a $400,000 production that season. Oh, my God. And and you're right. There's a satellite truck. They ran cabling up mountains in on course where they couldn't get their, their satellite connection to pick up. They ran cabling. In fact, one year in Tahoe, the feed went down because a brown bear ripped through <laughs> the cabling they had run. And they had a production building. With I would say a dozen individuals all working the entire time, like a trailer that they pulled in. They had twelve of you, yeah, all mm-hmm. working at one time. Plus Kemp, who was the uh, the the lead guy there, who was overseeing it all. He was production man. He was the producer, for lack of better term. So they, they yeah. If if we're thinking $400,000 for four to six episodes, it gives you an idea of what went into this and why a Savage Race, a High Rocks, a DECA, a Spartan, and OCR World Championships just simply cannot no commit way. to a production like that.
0: Yeah. Well, and to jump in, I don't know about you, Bracken, but I live commentated the Spartan World Champs in 2018 um, with David Magida and Amelia, Bo- or Kevin Donahue and Amelia Boone, And we were housed in an office or in the building at the base of the the ski resort. And I bet you there were 15 computers, six people on headphones at all times. The pre-production meeting was 30 of us between the rabbits, the cameras. um, And on the back end, hearing the coordination between the six different people and the producers and live angles and how it worked, the intricacies of this was mind-blowing for Mm -hmm. them to get a live feed that was clean, smooth, and perfect. And the amount of money in that one event, just looking around the room and they were there for six days, you know, four, three days prior. And then the two days of racing and the cleanup and the vans as Bracken talk about. It's like, how is this sustainable with the amount of eyes are getting on this through marketing or advertising? It's just, I couldn't figure it out. And that was the last year they did it. But to your point, I'm just backing up what Bracken said is like, Holy smokes, like to pull anything off on a smaller scale is way more impressive than people even understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
2: those companies that you know, they've figured out how to do it and how to make it worth it because they're doing television and they're doing shows and they're getting sponsor money and all that stuff ad money and whatever, commercials and everything. So they figured out how to make it work, but is it, you know, maybe OCR is just not there to make it that viable. So it's maybe one day, but right now here's where we are that we're still basically bringing in the same amount of eyes that we were the past ten years, mm-hmm. and hopefully it grows. But it's not going to grow if there's no nothing to see. So, trying to start from scratch. Yeah, one guy behind a computer, uh, as many rabbits as we can hopefully get. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's eight, mm-hmm. and uh, you know some wonderful commentators. So, and, and something you know at times it's been me commentating while producing. So. <laughs> So yeah if you got more specific questions I'll answer, but uh, yeah that's
1: well, I want to go through and actually give you the chance and Kirk, I know you have places you want to go with this too, but I want to give you the chance to respond to the common complaints mm. or the common questions that arise out there of why is blank happening
2: well one of the yeah one of the biggest things is just simply that we're still learning there's there's a lot that I'm teaching myself, and I've found resources to learn from and some things are just simply you know figuring them out by trial and error but we are still learning and we're still growing and i'm seeing every show that we do get better and better so that's one of the reasons just simply because it's this is we're new to it
1: <laughs> always every single stream that we put on or that i watch someone else put on because i if i'm not on it i'm watching it I'm, I do these because I'm interested in them and I know that I know how painful it is at home to sit and try to find results. So I'm happy to sit through any production, which is better than no production in my eyes. But the common complaint is how hard is it? Anyone can go out there on Instagram live and get a good quality stream and just have it there. If they can, if any random person can do it, Instagram live on a phone and have a clear connection, why is it so hard to get cell phone coverage on these live streams?
2: I don't know the back end of Instagram Live and or even Facebook Live and what you know, so I'm pretty sure you can still do like ten eighty P for that, but I don't know the details behind that, but I do know that when you go from a a, a phone to a platform, there's settings like latency and bitrate and all these things that if you don't get right the data, the packets, the information doesn't have time to get to the other side and be put back together. So that's where it gets pixelated and and looks crummy is because whatever setting is not right to to allow data get from the phone to wherever it's going and get pieced back together in a in a proper timely manner. Uh production, you know, satellite trucks, they've just got those that strong signal that's coming from one spot to the other. So we're we're looking at Taking you know the best cell signal we can hope for, and then turning that into something that's viable uh, because of settings really is all it is. And mm-hmm. at this point, you know phones are uh, cell signals getting better and better too because of like six years years ago we didn't have 5G, and so now we've got like really clean 4G and 5G, and so technology is getting better, which makes it easier, but it's still a lot to figure out.
1: I think it's important for people to understand why at a stream, let's say the three of us are doing ours and we've got five rabbits out there and then someone's mom is on the side of the course with her phone and on Instagram live, she has a clean, clear video going and you can hear her and you can hear us, but our video is choppy. Why is that?
2: If the video is is choppy, it's usually, I mean, it all depends on the platform, but it's usually (laughs) because the bit rate, like it's trying to send too much data but the receiving end says I can only take this much, and I'll piece it together as best I can. So that's where you get the slow frame rate. So it's like it's a balance between the bit rate and the frame rate and the latency that's behind it and and, and another setting called buffering. Like there's all these different settings that have to be just right. And depending on the platform you're on, you may not even have access to those settings. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where Instagram's got their settings and algorithms dialed down uh fairly decently.
1: And there's one source. Yeah. That's the difference people forget <laughs> is that one person on their phone passes through one data point. Right. When you have multiple rabbits and you're sitting at the the console there and pulling them all into one, it is not the same equation anymore.
2: Yeah, and usually depending on the course, you don't even have internet signal uh to plug a computer into. You know, no Wi Fi, no Ethernet So if you don't have either of those, you you have to go somewhere else. You have to send the data, the, the video to a remote machine somewhere else. Now, I've found the ability to remote into a machine because it's like we did Utah and I actually produced from on site. So all the videos were coming from and the commentators were coming from the phones to my computer on site through a cell router. And uh, because of the amount of people that Spartan pulls in, you know, 5,000 people on site, uh, it, it, it was just too much. So it, while we had a decent stream, we had delays with commentators, so that caused issues there. And so I've found, like, it's just I don't want to rely on cell congestion because that's something I can't control. So now I'm working off of remote machines, so it's like all the data goes to a remote machine, and I'm just remoting in looking at that. And it's very helpful because you don't get the issues, you don't get the cell congestion issues. You know, the phone, a single phone, is doing a decent job of sending video, but having multiple phone feeds coming into a computer and that going out to YouTube at a good quality, yeah, that, that's just too much for cell congestion to handle.
0: There's a lot flying back and forth between many devices, as it right. sounds. It It's always interesting because... I I'm pretty good at refraining as far as commenting and getting into internet arguments, we will call them. Although my tendency is to go and start button heads with people, but I really have to try hard not to. Bracken kind of knows this. Sometimes when we get negative comments on our podcast, I I got to hold myself back a little bit to save face. But I read some of this stuff on like um on the live feeds or whatever. And Bracken was talking about comments, and you get some pretty positive stuff. Like some people are very understanding that. First of all, this is a free service that nobody's paying for, right? Like, So get off of your horse if you have an issue <laughs> right. with what you're watching. You can just turn it off because you didn't pay for it. But I, I think what would be help- – so what I'm getting at is, first of all, anybody who who has problems with live feed coverage can go kick rocks and, and just keep it to yourself. Secondly, I think what would be helpful for people to understand, and I'm very curious on a personal level, because I appreciate, like Bracken said, any any sort of content, and I would say that – these recent, I wasn't able to watch OCRWC recently because I was on vacation, but the recent coverage has been pretty dang good. And what what the qualm was earlier with even, let's say, an NBC production, which Bracken said, what, maybe 400000 for a season or whatever it was, and people complained about that as well because you never really were able to follow the actual flow of the race, right? Like people will complain. They've complained from the beginning of time with any option we've had. People bitched about the NBC because it was interviewee and, you <laughs> cliche and nobody really knew and they human made
1: interest it, story right yeah. and
0: people were like i don't want that i just want to see the race and then you transition that to like a live production that spartan put on with all this money investment which clearly wasn't sustainable that's why they stopped doing it and so what is the sustainable thing that we can keep doing and you're looking at it right now and then it's just getting dialed in with what you're doing but the point being is the things that people that were high dollar high production value lots of money the comment sections on those were exactly the same as they yeah. are <laughs> right. on what you're doing, except what we're doing is sustainable what you're doing is sustainable. And I just want to like I wanna like get that out there because I mean Bracken, do you remember anybody ever being in fully like, Wow, here it is.
1: No, it was always like, How did you miss the move? Or how did we <laughs> not see the women for twenty five straight minutes and how did mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, every all the the coverage, the video was smooth and crisp, but there were 20-minute gaps missing in the race. Now, it's like you see 90% of the race now, but you get to the dark side of the moon, and it's, it's just spotty. You're going to see yeah. stop-motion graphics, and it's kind of pick your poison.
2: We're also talking about trail running, and you, you don't have... I mean, how many cameras can you have that actually would le- allow you to see all of the race when the men and the women are basically running at the same time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just to put things in perspective, anyone who's ever gone trail running, real trail running or real mountain running, if you're streaming music, a lot of the time you get someplace and your music cuts out. Yeah. You realize, oh, I just left service there for a while. Well, I, I mean, if that happens on streaming streamings, just audio only, what do you think's going to happen if you're trying to stream video? So That's where that Spartan route and Matt's done it a bit with Savage, the tape delay Mm -hmm. is the next option where Mm -hmm. people say, we're not going to mess with sending our signal back. We're going to capture good video and then we're going to release it after the fact. And then you get people who say, oh, thank goodness I can see things. And then the other half go, I already know the results. I don't (laughs) care to watch this anymore. Right. I've got
2: an idea for actually setting up like a, basically a local network uh, in places like Jacksonville where you got no cell signal, using like satellite uh, those little satellite dishes. I actually saw at OCRWC they had some for the timing guys because they were shooting mm-hmm. data from the start line over to where they were set up. So I think it's those possible. Those short throw devices. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean they can go pretty far. I mean I think they can go you know, miles as long as it's basically as long as they've got line of sight mm. that they can work.
1: Which is an issue in OCR. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. It, it It's possible to set up some sort of local network, basically record it like it's live, mm-hmm. and then upload it, you know, drive away, so you can upload it as quick as you can. Um. So I think it's possible to do that. That's the idea I've been kicking around. But I mm-hmm. think the best thing people can do is just, I mean, this would probably fix the whole world, but just be considerate. Like, one of the complaints we heard about Kelowna was, I can't believe Spartan didn't get, world-class rabbits to this and it's like they don't understand they barely got their uh their people their staff there because of different reasons so it's just you don't know you never know all of the story so why act like you do
1: yeah well that's the issue right it's the it is is the investment at the the race level the production company whether it's espn or you Not that you're the two ends of the spectrum, but that that if it's ESPN or you, if you're not given a budget, you're not going to have the best of the best equipment and the best of the best setup, and you're not going to be able to bring the manpower. And that's really what it comes down to is when people complain, and I don't want to just have this be like a one big self-defense episode, (laughs) but when there's a complaint about the production company, it's really a complaint about the budget that was given to the production company. For sure. And in this day and age of endurance sports, if you don't have a very big title sponsor, your production budget comes out of your pocket. And that's what people forget. Five good rabbits? What is that? Oh, yeah. Travel for everybody. If you want to get them there, house them and get them back, it's a minimum of a grand per rabbit. So $5,000 out of OCR World Championships pocket. Yeah. Just just for the rabbits. That doesn't even... (laughs)
0: Count any of the other budget more than championship money for the winner, just to get right. people there. To, yeah,
1: so the, pr- the 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 production budget is the talking point, in my opinion.
2: At this point, we're even seeing where the races are still coming out of COVID and and dealing with the 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 issues that came with the the. The money that they don't they had to spend or don't have, or they're building back up. Even OCRWC just didn't have budget to get a a filmographer like they did the past years. Mm -hmm. So just even that, like they're all still recovering. So we we can't even ask them, hey, can you
0: pay for us to do this? No, you can't do that. I found interesting that there are a couple of um, comments about like go watch the Golden Trail series and do what they're doing. They're nailing it. And so I was like, okay. I'm going to go watch the golden trail live coverage. And I went and watched it. I was like, "The this isn't even as good as what, this isn't as good as what we're doing. What they liked is they had little dots of athletes floating around on a map that weren't even accurate and didn't help at all. But people liked that graphic. I was like, this shit's cutting out more than anything you've done. The, the camera work was spotty. We missed 30 minute sections of the race way more than anything that's ever happened in a Spartan But I think because they're flashing this stupid little graphic with these dots resembling each athlete, people thought that they were kept up to date. And the funny thing about it was that 99% of the time, those dots weren't accurate and the announcers had to correct what was going (laughs) on anyways. And so point being, I was like, man, people just, it's funny on the little things that they grasp that they think is like this high, like, do you want to slap a meaningless graphic on? We can do that, but it's not going to add value. I just thought it was like very ironic how people like how the human mind works and how they pick and choose what's important. It was just kind of interesting to me. And they forget that there are two golden trail series productions.
1: There's their live production. And then there's their post-production. Mm. And, and so the, the live is you get what you get. When John did his most recent one where he won in Norway, he's hardly on there. We didn't see him in the lead. Uh-oh. <laughs> we saw them get to the top of the mountain and I was so excited to see him run this technical descent and then the swampy areas that they talked about, and we didn't see it. Mm. It was just 45 minutes of the race missing. That was it. But the other that they've put on, the Golden Trail World Series, their episodes they put out are super crisp and clean, but you don't get a full race out of that. But even watching that, the microphone that, that uh, the guy with white hair, who is their host, that he's holding at the beginning is bigger than the budget that was given for any race I've been on this year. <laughs> so yeah. Is it nice that they're sponsored by Solomon? Yeah. That that helps a little bit there.
2: Yeah. And those races, when I see them, it's like sweet. They got a camera at the finish line, but that's, I mean, that's cool, but I want to see the rest of the race too. And
1: mm-hmm. they always get the start. They always get them running up into the mountains and then there's someone at the top and then they start down and then they catch him at the finish. Is that a whole lot different than what happened? Like Everyone runs into signal issues at some point. If you're not a, let's say, five-digit minimum, let's say 20 grand for a race. If you're not talking 20 grand production budget minimum, you're going to hit constant cell coverage issues, and 20 grand is probably scraping the barrel for what you could expect to actually have uh, the dead spots taken care of.
2: Yeah, I actually got to play with a couple of uh live view devices which are are not cheap. They're not crazy expensive, but they're not cheap and found they can they can help, I think and we're looking into possibly getting some of those <laughs> at some point, but right now I feel like I'm I'm starting to dial in all those settings and be able to like even post OCRWC. I saw a setting that's like, "Oh, wow, I didn't think to change that one because I didn't I hadn't learned about it yet." And I think it'll make a big difference. So, Mm -hmm. uh, slowly, but surely we're, we're getting there. Um, but yeah, at some point you get to, you know, no cell signal. And so, I mean, you can't do anything about that.
1: Kirk, you made a point earlier that, or maybe it was you, Jason, that these companies are coming out of COVID. And like Spartan, for example, very public financial issues struggling to pay at they just caught up paying athletes, and so obviously their production budget is going to be non-existent or very low. OCR Worlds had to defer registrations for a year because of COVID, and they didn't make any money off that entire race last year because it didn't happen. They only lost money on it. so not not to play the martyr role, but you, Matt, myself, Kirk, Rich, Jack, we've all taken massive pay cuts. In order to get a production out there, in order to do our bit in this community, to get a production going, to try to drive new numbers into the sport.
2: Yeah, it is awesome to see the people like you guys that are passionate about it, because that's the only reason we do it, because we're passionate about it. And, you know, at some point, it'll be awesome if it Mm -hmm. comes together and and pays for itself. But at at this point, it, it is just a passion project for all of us.
1: Like, for example, just Kirk and I, because I can't speak to what you make off of it, but what Kirk and I are doing right now is probably between one third and one fifth of what we would charge in a normal circumstance. But this is the only way that the race is going to get out there to anyone's eyes and it's the only way you're going to get new eyes on it is to have a product out there that people can watch. And you're doing the same thing and Matt's doing the same thing and Will's doing the same thing. Everyone here is taking a pay cut to bring you this product in order to try to help the sport grow and that's I think that's the important part. We all want it to grow so that we can put on a real legit Production, yeah. but right now everyone's kind of doing it almost as charity. Like OCR got rocked by COVID, so let's do <laughs> yeah. what we can do to help the sport get healthy again.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, like I said, I got a lot of a lot of hobbies, but right now my hobby is prepping for live streams because <laughs> so much work's got to go into it ahead of time so that it all goes smooth when you when you do put it on.
0: What do you think uh what do you think your hourly rate is? Like negative 10 dollars an hour, negative 20 dollars an hour? <laughs> what do you what do you think it comes out to when it's all said and done? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't
2: know. Like like what is my time worth in my day job? And then yeah. Right. Yep. Um so,
0: yeah. So here's what I want to do because it's easy. It's easy to get you know negative Nancy and start harping on people who are assholes on the internet. That's easy to do. That's cheap. But I wanted to do a little bit of that because I had to. But <laughs> what I want to what I want to pivot to is a very personal curiosity of mine with this whole production uh, situation, and then I think this is going to spur questions along the way. But okay, there's two sides of this that I want to dive into. But Jason OCR report gets let's call it in quotes, hired to put on a live production. Green light, start the process for me from what the working pieces are, moving pieces from like, okay, we're going to do this, to everything from like contacting talent to getting on court. Like what's all involved, like the steps of the process before you hit go live. Like what all is involved in the lead up is what I really want to know. The creation of
2: the production Itself uh, from a software side and a hardware side is one of the big pieces. Um, so a lot of a lot of stuff usually happen all at the same time. You know, working on graphics and stuff while contacting people to you know talent mm-hmm. uh, is all happening together. But that's one of the big pieces. Is I've got a piece of software and I want to have these different um, graphics in it, and I want to be able to have to. Do shortcuts or uh, create triggers so that things happen automatically so all that setup so like for ocrwc you see uh, a video play or we've got an opening screen then a video plays and then a title screen shows and then it cuts to a camera and so all like that kind of stuff can happen uh basically automatically. So you, you trigger one event and then it triggers a bunch of other events. So you kind of tie that stuff together. So working through that kind of stuff.
0: So on the back end, you're programming the software to play, to to perform a certain way, whatever, yeah, based on what you're looking to achieve.
2: Yeah. And then if you've got a graphic like we did, I did obstacle graphic and the timers. So having shortcuts so that that stuff is quickly accessible and, you know, you hit a button and it shows what you want it to show. You know, it's the same graphic, but it's got different text in it. So I need a button that does that. Uh, so setting up all those shortcuts, all those buttons. Um, and let's see what else. There's there's so much to it. Um, so
0: how much how much time like would you say? So you get the green light just because this is at home on your computer, right? Like you're using you're able to use these hubs, uh, these servers from home and get everything set up, like. Before you get on the plane, let's say between phone calls, emails, um, setting all this stuff up on the back end. Let's say your inaugural race, right? Because eventually you'll get into a flow, and I assume your your time right. will get more efficient. But like, how much time do you think you're putting in? Whether it's sleepless nights or thinking about this crap or answering questions, what do you think before a race? Just guess on top of your day job.
2: I mean, in the month leading up to it, if if I'm putting in 40 hours a week at my day job, <clears throat> probably another 40 hours or more i don't i don't know like, a lot
0: what do you pay yourself per hour for this jason I,
2: I mean i pay myself with my day job money i guess so <laughs>
0: <laughs> i knew the answer to that okay i just wanted frame of reference as to how much time it takes to go into the setup there.
2: yeah and we are getting starting to see a flow already you know we've done a few spartan races so i've got that that production already set up that I can just tweak. And actually, I use a lot of the graphics that I used from OCRWC last year for this one and just tweaked them a little bit, you know, added this piece to it or that piece and, and you made it look a little different. So just like in, in, even graphic design, year over year, you it, it gets, gets easier because you are working off of previous work. So that is slowly happening. Uh, I'm feeling more and more prepared with each race that happens. It's like, okay, I've, I've thought through everything because I've done it a few times already, and I've written it down, and I've made notes and processes to follow and that kind of stuff. So we're getting there, but it does take a hell of a lot
0: of time. Stick me on a computer and make me do that nerdy stuff would drive me crazy. So I uh, thank you for your yes. service there.
2: Oh, You're welcome. But then there's that, and there's contacting the, the talent, which is a mix of you know me and Will contacting people, uh, I feel like I did I got to I'm I'm making more and more uh, relationships with different people within the companies. So it's getting easier to schedule that stuff. You know, getting to know you guys and being able to just send you a quick message is is nice, uh, instead of having to do introductions and all that stuff. Um and then with the companies themselves having an in with somebody that, you know, we can talk to and say, Okay, we can do this, here's where you're gonna set up and all that kind of stuff. So talent wise, like I know you know, like, who's ready, who's available, who likes doing it, who's good, and who's not. Like, we're still slowly learning that piece, too, but, yeah, that's a huge part of it. And then, after that, you've got the prep once you get on site. So, you've prepped all this getting leading up to it, and then you get on site, and you've got to test it to make sure that what you prepped ahead of time works in that environment. Because at home on my own network is one thing, but in on the mountain on their Wi-Fi or on their whatever and, and on my device, you know, it's, it's going to be different. So did did the shortcuts that I set up carry over to this new environment, you know, that all that good stuff. And, and we've been doing that. You, you talked about how many days before, like a, a week or, or six, four, at least four days of, of the production teams, those big production teams being on site. I'm, again, day job, so I'm flying in, taking off on Friday, flying in the night before, trying to get eight hours or more for that day of prep, so that I'm ready to go for Saturday. Mm -hmm. So, one day on site, if at best, and that's actually, (laughs) me and uh, David went for one of our our first tests with Spartan to uh, New York, and did uh, the race there, but... My flight got cancelled the night before, so I had to fly in the next day, so i I didn't and it got delayed, so I ended up not getting on site until like six thirty p m so I barely got any prep, and it went really bad i mean we didn't we didn't show it because it was just not worth showing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was very amazing. disheartening, but we learned a lot from it and and Spartans still wanted to work with us, so we are like sweet, and we kept going.
0: I want to know when you mention showing up on site and the things that are done. Now, what people don't see behind the scenes, for example, is we'll have like a pre-production meeting the night before. Bracken, me, let's say David Megiddo, we'll hop on. We'll make sure connection's clear. We'll see the back end. You'll start running your the streams through everything, seeing if there's a delay, which we often deal with, which is interesting for conversation's sake. Figuring out the points and like little suggestions that people would never even think about. Like Bracken had a a, a really brilliant one that you I think has probably been done every, every race now. And it's like, all right, well, if we have cell phones and everybody has different carriers and cell phones are newer and older and get better and worse service, well, you got to go out on course with your cell phone and find out where, where you get service and where you don't and put this rabbit here and this one there, because you're literally so grassroots that you're like working with like individual preferences out there. Like every little thing is sort of thought about as far as getting like the best picture possible and the best, like, not only it's it's not like people are coming out and just like like okay go chase them around and see what happens like there's a lot of thought like put into all that even right
2: yeah unfortunately sometimes it does still turn into all right just go out and chase them around because the people that can't make it there for a full day ahead of time you know we had in Utah yeah in Utah we had Steve Hammond and Jack Bauer and they were both there the day before but Jack got there late Steve had other obligations he had to deal with so we had time to test but it wasn't all day mm-hmm. and then the next morning they had uh their rabbit that showed up and robert killian showed up and and rabbit it for us at like out of the blue i didn't know he was going to do it until 30 minutes before the race started so it's like you know, sometimes yeah. that's you just got to roll with what you got and so you can't test everybody's phones so that day before when we we're testing the connections with everybody we can't Test okay with all the feeds coming in and the feed going out to the stream and all the remote people connected. Does it all work? We we can't unless we got everybody there, which doesn't happen.
1: And that comes right back to budget. Yeah, it's not like when Robert Killian shows up, you can say, "All right, go grab a cell phone from that rack over there." Right, that's been pre-tested. It's you have your device. We're gonna hope that it works, and you can't like in a perfect world, we'd all get there Thursday. Yeah, you know, we'd we'd all get there Thursday, we'd pass out devices, we'd all run the entire course while streaming, <laughs> testing things. You'd have a, a a a map where you'd be marking red or green or yellow on every single phone stream and you'd have this plan of attack, but Again, you can't get people there on Thursday because everyone has a day job unless you can pay them enough that they can take a day off of work and not lose significant money. And you can't pay them that if there's not a production budget. <laughs> exactly. So it all keeps coming back to what is invested into the production from whoever is requesting there to be a production.
2: Yep, that's that's what it takes. Because the, there's a lot uh, of great ideas. But mm-hmm.
1: The ideas don't matter if there's not the funds there to support it.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the things that I really bring to the table is my troubleshooting skills. That basically is my day job as far as a a consultant for software is is troubleshooting. So I do it decently well, and so when we get on site and all these things are just getting tested and something goes wrong, you got to troubleshoot it and figure it out. So we've run into some pretty crazy issues, and I've been able to work through those and it kind of blows me away sometimes whenever something happens and it, and I get it working because sometimes it's a it's a checkbox that you forgot about but sometimes it's something that is basically out of your control and figuring out a way around it and so that's that's where I, I like troubleshooting sucks so much when you just like I can't figure it out and then when you get it it's like it's kind of like. <laughs> kind of like, uh, endurance racing. You, you struggle, struggle, struggle for so long and then you get done and then you've got this big glory moment, uh, that makes it all worth it.
0: <laughs> yeah. You, um, you keep your cool. I would say Thanks. just your delivery right now is how like, let's say like we had like maybe one of the intros not run properly or something, one of the times or whatever. And like you are, I wouldn't know if you were at the spa or you're at a stressful production. You are just like cool <laughs> as a cucumber. Is that your demeanor always like i haven't seen you stressed yet and these are like pretty high stress situations on the back end are you faking it or is that for real
2: no that's 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 me i've kind of learned i think just growing up i didn't like being i didn't like being sad so i've kind of learned like
0: i love being sad this is my favorite He was real emo. <laughs> <laughs> I take my eyeliner off for these recordings.
2: My my way to deal with it was simply, uh, you know, I, I can't control what's out of my circumstances, so I'm just gonna take it as it comes. And uh, but you, I've I've got a demeanor that is here instead of a broad spectrum. So I I get really excited about stuff, but it's not like some people. Some people get crazy excited, but then they've got these really deep. Uh, depression moments you know so i've got i've I've narrowed it down like i like being here because it keeps me from being a, a wild person as some people are
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it helps yeah we hear about the question about drones a lot can't drones just solve all of this <laughs> they can follow athletes up the mountain they can keep up down the mountain you don't need uh their They don't need to be looking at their foot placement. And so they can keep the camera right where they want it. They can go through technical terrain, smooth terrain. They can follow over a swim. They can do all these things. Uh, So just, I guess, (laughs) freewheel on drones for a little bit here. Give the people some drone info.
2: I haven't looked into drones enough. I know about them and I know kind of what they're capable of, but that's one area that I still have yet to explore. So I think it will, it can help. But I know there's going to be a lot to figure out to make it work properly. Mm-hmm. But I have also know that what we've seen from drones before, you still get same issues. People saying, uh, I can't tell who that is, and then you know the drone's way too high, or, or the drone's flying too close to the athletes. You know, just all kinds of different uh, reasons mm-hmm. people complain about it. But I know drone operators, you know, people have to have licenses to be able to do that, and those people's times are not cheap either. Mm-hmm. And so, at this moment, I feel like I've only talked to one person, and I'm—I can't remember who it is for the life of me—who uh, does drone stuff and would be willing to basically, you know, put their time in like we are. So there might be some, you know, if there's anybody out there listening that is into drones and loves um, OCR and you have a passion for it, uh, get in touch with us and we'll we'll try it out. But that drone footage has got to go. Yeah, I think their technology is pretty good to where the cameras on the drones can get back to whatever device it's streaming to, and then you got to send it out from there. So I don't don't know what that looks like yet because I haven't dug into it, but it's the same problem with phones, probably.
1: Well, and it's still a line of sight issue when you see big, high panning drone shots and Mm. you're like, why wouldn't you just zoom in on the, it's because you can't, it's because you lose the drone when it gets down low, when there's a peak (laughs) in between, so it stays above the peak. And then the other thing is runtime runtime is not super long on these, these really high tech drones. And so you have to have waypoints up there where your one person goes and drops down and gets a new battery while the next one picks up. And it again comes right back down to what's your budget.
2: Yeah. Anytime you add another person into the, the process, that is another, like you said, easily another thousand dollars.
1: Well, and drone operators are essentially, the going rate is somewhat comparable to wedding photographers or videographers. So just anyone who's put on a wedding before, think, what did that cost you? It's not cheap. Yeah. And now bring four or five of those on site. So I hate to keep referring back to production costs, but if you don't have five to six figures, now you work with what you have and you see that there's going to be a learning curve throughout you know, a season or two
2: yeah and the the short races are are nice for battery wise but of course a lot of these races are two plus hours, and then you've got multiple waves that you gotta deal with, so you're talking mm-hmm. two and a half to three hours, but then you're also talking the pre production time that you're getting prepped and ready to start the live stream, so you, you got that battery life as well and in the f on the phones we we've started to figure out okay, the phones you know they last this you know these certain types of phones will last this long. Uh, we can get a battery pack that is easy to carry that you can plug in, or you can sometimes you can even plug into the gimbals, which is nice. So we've started to figure that out and deal with it. Uh, but we've, you know, in the past had issues with like the show's almost over, but the phones die, and then you got no
0: shot. Mm-hmm. This may be a dumb question that I should know the answer to, but and I, if you're comfortable answering it, of course. But where where does the OCR reports budget come from? Like, where does the budget for any of this come from? Like, I'm trying to figure it out, and I don't have an answer. Like, where does that? Where does that even come from?
2: I mean, it's it's me and Will's day jobs. That's you know, we. (laughs) I mean, anything that is not, um, we haven't gotten any sponsors yet. So it's just because we love it and we're having fun doing it.
0: Budget comes from your bank account. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, now I feel terrible about cashing the check.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Same. We've never. <laughs> has it been? Has that been the case with OCR report since the beginning?
2: I think so. And yeah, uh, you know, we're 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 ready to start. Like, okay, we feel like we've got a good product. We we're ready to start trying to bring in sponsors. And so now we're starting to see, like, how does all that work? Because we've never done it before. So we're starting to figure that piece out too, uh, because. Especially with working with a race brand, they've got their own sponsors, so Mm -hmm. you can't compete with their sponsors if they want to work with you. And so there's a whole deal to that that we're just starting to dip our toes into. Well,
0: it's just like hearing that, knowing, okay, the budget comes from your and Will's, let's say, bank accounts. Um, And here you are putting on a production... With the goal of growing something, there's always sacrifice in the beginning, financial sacrifice. And Bracken and I went through the same thing before we started to monetize the podcast through our training plan and things like that, um, net net negatives big time. Um, but point being, obviously, we know there's a goal here. But the fact that this is a, I think people look at something like the OCR report or maybe Obstacle Racing Media or any of the other competitors out there and think like, oh, this is like a, it's a company who has funds and is, is supported somehow by what they just don't know. They don't think about it. Like, Mm -hmm. no people, these are... Like, if I were you, I'd be telling everybody this is coming out of my bank account and asking for help (laughs) left and right. Like, people got to know, right? And I just think that there's a... Like, this sport is grassroots. We want it to grow. It's still in, like, the grassroots guerrilla marketing phase, really. And so productions like this are happening because you're making a sacrifice in your own personal life to put something out for the people of the OCR community. And I just think that's very... Very commendable. I did not know that. I assumed that there was some way that there was being support through the o- for the OCR report. It just it makes this even more impactful, to be honest. For me, it does, anyways. And it does make me feel kind of like a jerk now, Bracken, you're right.
2: <laughs> well, you know, the OCR report is a company. Like, Will Correct. made a, a legit company for it, so he's got that, that back-end side of it. But, you know, a company's got to have income as as well as outcome. Uh, so our output, so that's, uh, those pieces are coming, we're working on it and, uh, hopefully it'll, it'll grow to where it
1: is sustainable. Well, back to the negative <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> men's and women's coverage. There's always something has to give in the past. I don't think we've ever seen a coverage live that had 50, 50. And if we did, it was because cameras cut out. I'm not necessarily talking about your coverage, but just in the history of our sport, the only 50-50 coverage you see is post-production coverage. Yeah. So how do you satisfy that? One, is there a way to set up the race timing, the timing of the different waves so that men's and women's can have equal coverage? And two, if there is such a thing, are the races even interested in in doing that?
2: I don't think they are because they've got you know, if you spread out, you know, men run first, and they're done, and then the women run, and that would take so much more time, and then you're eating into the open wave time, that where they're making most of their money from. So I seriously doubt the the races would be interested in ever doing that, but then even on our side, do we want that? Because now you're talking about, instead of a three-hour production, you're talking about a six-hour plus production. Mm-hmm. And so again, everybody else's time, uh, you know, matters there. So I don't see that ever happening, but as we get better with coordinating rabbits and understanding that it you know we're on this course that we've been before and it takes this long to get from here to here that kind of stuff uh you know this is a typical time it takes for the runners to go through this section uh, you know it'll get better and coordinating that those people is is tough cuz it's like okay you can be here I'll be here and then you're there and then we'll do this but then it's like but fifteen minutes later, other people start running, so you gotta count that into it too. So just simply mm-hmm. coordinating like in Utah when I was actually yeah, in U Kelowna for sure, when I was like prepping that morning, Jack and Gary were coordinating themselves and did an awesome job of talking about all right, here we're gonna be here, we're gonna do that and uh and, and the two rabbits that we had as well. So it, it takes somebody, you know, every little thing like that could be a job in itself. And then Mm. when you're doing a one man production, there's only so much you can do.
1: There was talk years ago about making one of the pro waves, a Friday night wave or evening, like afternoon, early evening, finish with enough sunlight but split them up so that there's no congestion on course and so that you can film the entire race is that a viable option or does that just open up an entire new can of worms that isn't even worth opening
2: i think if the yeah if the the pros ran basically separate so that you had the time to do what you needed to do that would it would be cool and if people are traveling in to town to run the race and they're able to go spectate that, spectate that beforehand, it, it would be awesome. Uh, because usually everybody else is prepping to run. You know, they're getting up, uh, stretching, or eating breakfast, trying to make sure that their race plan is ready. So the open waivers aren't even the audience of the live race. Right. I mean, usually most there's not as many people there. Like OCRWC 3K is the best. Example of what it's like to have everybody there first, and then let the pros run. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome because people are running all over the place trying to watch them go from one obstacle to the other, and it's really exciting. So I could see that happening on a Friday night. That'd be fun.
1: I can't speak for the entire racing community, but I know that myself, I can't say I've ever noticed a crowd on course. Probably not since indoor track in college. (laughs) Have I noticed the cheering section or the lack? of cheering section in a race in a mountain race. You don't expect it on a trail yeah. race. You don't. Yeah. You might run through the festival grounds and maybe notice some people, but if there were no, if there was no one there on a Friday afternoon or if they were all there doing their obstacle briefing and picking up their packets, I don't think it would change the pro experience one bit.
2: Yeah. That's, that's definitely fair to say
1: it's possible. They might hate that idea. <laughs>
0: Knowing this industry, industry in quotes, as you're starting to learn it right now, Jason, you look back on Spartan's production and it was these high-end NBC productions that aired on NBC Sports and NBC, their actual main channel at times. Then they went to this ESPN format where they put out this live production that was four hours long and then it got cut up for a show on ESPN. Then you look at Spartan going to their own format where it was tape delay, where they would put out a product. sometimes two to six weeks later, and we already knew it happened, but you go back and put together a clean 30-minute video. Heck, Spartan did this at San Luis Obispo already this year in March. Yeah. And then they just dropped it like, that. we're just dropping this. What what do you think the reason is for them being all over the place with their approach? Because there's been zero consistency from Spartan over the years at all. We get a season of this. We get a, a season of that. We get a season where they try two or three different things. Um, what the heck is going on, man? Why is that happening in your eyes? Budget. All it's, budget.
2: It's the the team that puts that on being told you you can you can do this or you can't do this because we're not giving you that, that amount of money. You know, somebody at the top is is, is saying, Here's how much much money we're willing to spend or how much we have and we gotta divvy it out in different places. So I think maybe they were hoping that it would really take off on the ESPN stuff and, and maybe it, they didn't feel like what they got out of it was worth it, understandably so, because it's so expensive. But even the tape-delayed stuff, they're just like, I think we'd rather put our eggs into the basket of uh, marketing for the Open Weavers instead of showing the, the elites. Somebody's making that decision. Somebody's saying, no, we don't want to do that anymore.
0: Okay. And then, hence the opportunity for you right now, yeah. opening it yeah. up. So it's all right. And if and if the consistency is an OCR report broadcast that continues to get tweaked, and on some courses, service is going to be great. Give us a flat course near the city, and maybe we actually have perfectly clean eyes on everything the whole way. Wouldn't that be nice? Right. But this Mountain Series is just tough on that. But um, it op- it's opened the door for you, which is actually a really nice opportunity. If we could get something consistent like this, to be this year and then next year, and the viewer knows what to expect instead of being thrown something different every damn time. That's mm-hmm. part of the problem with the bitching is once somebody accepts and gets used to what's happening, like if we could just get damn consistency, which is what you're trying to do, I think this would be a really dang good thing on a product that's only going to continue to get tweaked better and better. My question following that up is we talk about, now I really like the tape delays. I like a nice clean product. I'd I want my. i pick live first every day. All day, but I like these clean things because they kind of st- withstand the test of time. I'll go back and watch a 30 minute production that happened two years ago, but I'm probably not going to go back and watch a three hour live stream of something that happened two years ago so to make that jump with the footage that you guys are taking or you have is it possible to make a post production is it anything you've thought about and if so what would be the time and well, we we've been talking plenty of money and budget but what would be the time resources <laughs> for something like that to happen is that in the realm of possibility to scoop up both ends or no
2: yeah we've definitely been thinking a lot about how where where do you know legit sports put their efforts and it seems like they have it all. They've got the live show, and then they've got this, like, uh, I like to think about F1. They have, you know, amazing coverage, and, but then they've also got Netflix coming in doing these amazing post-production shows uh, that are, you can really tell a story with that as opposed to just watching the race. And so it's it's possible, and it's definitely worth it, but I think anybody, I think the post-production side of it is... It's already there, and it's built up. People know how to go shoot video, edit it, and then put some music to it, and then turn it into a thing. That's not hard. Even in this realm, people know how to do it. We've got Video Will that works for us at OCRWC. He's going to be putting out a lot of great content from OCRWC. So that piece is already there. I'm not really worried about making that happen. So I'm focused on the live streaming side of it only because it's not being done well yet. So we could take what we have and turn it into a post-production thing, but you're still going to get the same quality of feed that we get uh, during the live feed. And like OCRWC last year, I did create a highlight reel, basically, so just like all the like you know shots of people doing obstacles and looking cool, and uh, and, and that was cool. And I'm going to do that again this year, but you know, time commitment-wise, like will. Raymond is a video will he's he's like me he does his free time is basically spent either exercising or editing videos because he loves it so much
1: is there a middle ground is there some sort of video capture you can do on site with the minimum turnaround time so that it's not live but it's same day and you get some like kind of like you talked about quick get off site and load it up is there a way to get video capture rate without choppiness and get it up with such a a small delay that it satisfies people as in, I'm going to get up at noon and watch this Saturday race rather than 6am, but I also have this awesome product I can watch on the treadmill for the next 12 months.
2: I think it's possible, but you do have to, you would have to build out a a local network to do it because if you're going to film it like it's live so that you don't have to edit Because that's what takes the longest is the editing side of it. So if you film it like it's live and then you go upload it afterwards, it wouldn't be that bad. But you have to have routers and a network to connect to so that the video feeds can get back to the production machine. And so it all depends on the venue.
1: What if you didn't film it like it was live? What if you had either one phenomenal rabbit or one camera that you passed off to very capable rabbits and had one stream of conscious one long stream of the entire race and you slap them up in split screen
2: and then you lose um, all the graphics correct uh, and the commentary even so yeah you gotta sacrifice somewhere
1: so it'd either be triple the delay as in then you throw it up with us in a room and we commentate it live to us and that goes live from there you could or as i'm saying it out loud i'm not sure But if you got two
2: if you got two cameras one on the men one on the women you still got to edit it so you show it you know i mean unless you're going to show them back to back and then you're talking about four hours instead of two hours
0: or split screen that's only one yeah. camera on the lead woman and one camera on the lead man and it doesn't tell the story of the rest of the race so then you got at least two cameras per gender ideally three and then you take all that footage and cut it in and out and then you're looking at like your mind's starting to spin. Like, how would we put this into a coherent flow? This is sounding
1: coherent. bad as we talk about it. <laughs> <That's what> I- <laughs> you, you build out your local system then.
0: Yeah. Is there a difference
1: then if you build that out to streaming it live versus film it like you're streaming it and then put it out shortly after? Is there a difference to that or no? In terms of what audience will see?
2: You You could have better cameras that way. Um, you know, you could have some some more static cameras that have better quality. Okay. Uh, because it's being it's basically it all gets recorded locally. But anything, yeah. If you're if you're like if you're streaming from a phone, even if you're hitting that local network, then that quality is going to be much better than going out over cell signal. So it's possible, but it's more it would be more it would make more sense to have like stationed cameras instead of a camera that follows the whole way because that in these races inevitably the the distance is going to be too far to have uh, a network that can build out along the whole course that's just not feasible
1: are there portable mini networks that could be in a hydration pack
2: that's kind of actually where the live view stuff where it works they actually use multiple uh, sim cards or multiple um cell modems that they hook up to. And then they do what's called cellular bonding and they Mm -hmm. bring those connections together to get a better feed out of it. So I know some, even some of the trail races and stuff have used those devices, but those devices cost a little bit themselves. And then you've got the ongoing data that you've got to pay for too.
1: And you can't go uh, one weekend on or a month to month or kind of thing. It's just, you turn it on, it's on. Right. Yep. So, what would an investment take? Let's say there's a anonymous listener who wanted to just like bankroll you for 2023. Like, is it significant? Are you talking six figures, five figures, four figures? What? You don't have to get super specific.
2: Well, I think anybody can go look on the LiveU website and see what those devices cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a uh, LiveU Solo costs about a thousand dollars, and then you've got the ongoing. You know, you put together the the ongoing price of multiple uh, cellular cell plans and uh so i don't know i can't even think of what that is for a year but i th- i think the invest the upfront investment is like 1500 and then you're talking about a yearly or a-, a monthly you know another 500 or something like that so and then you need that for every rabbit or for however many rabbits you're going to have
1: there's no family plan <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. uh yeah so it's, uh, you can multiply that by whatever you want to, you know, a year or, or whatnot to see how much it would cost. But so
1: you'd probably want four devices at least. Yeah,
2: for sure. Like to me, a, a good production, even on a beast course is going to have at least six rabbits. And if we could do eight, eight would be really preferable. I mean, you could even go more more than that if you want, mm-hmm. but, um, <clears throat> you know, of course people in time.
0: Yeah. Since we're talking budget, um, what would it cost to hire out, like, you have all your uh, your feed and your footage from a race, whether some of it is usable and some isn't. You take the stuff that's usable, and you just hire somebody to put together that package to turn the beast race into a 30-minute edited race. Even, you know, in San Luis Obispo, it was just, other than a quick, at, what race? Maybe it wasn't San Luis Obispo. Maybe it was a Jacksonville race. I forget. There was no commentary. It was just heavy breathing and live people, and it felt real and raw, and mm-hmm. I liked yeah, it.
2: Yeah, real Quick and yeah. dirty editing, And a lot of sure. people
0: did. So, yeah, it, but it was good, wasn't it, Bracken? Like, I approved of that. It, I don't need somebody outlining the race. I can watch it unfold if if we have the video. So what would it cost to just, okay, fine. Like, your job is taking care of the live feed, but to take that, just give them the footage, give them the stuff, and say, turn this into a 30-minute production men's race and 30-minute women's. Like, what would that cost to hire out? And how quick could they get it done? Do you know? Have you looked into that?
2: I th- I haven't, but I think a good editor... The more cameras you get, the more complicated it gets. So editing that with two cameras is not that bad, but editing it with eight cameras gets real hairy real quick because it's like you gotta watch all those cameras. I don't know. It's, it's I actually so I c- I can do I can record all the cameras, um, and and uh, and that's actually how I got my highlights that I showed in the recap shows for the OCRWC and. Watching those cameras, I'm watching the feed as it was live and switching between those four to six cameras and trying to catch the good stuff. Mm -hmm. So even that in itself takes at least minimum the amount of time that it takes to watch the whole race. That's at minimum, if you were super clean and picking all your shots. So, you know, a good editor could do it. Within the time it takes to watch the feed, I guess. Oh my god. But then you, but then you got to render it, and that's going to take a lot of time because you're talking about a three-hour uh, video, or I mean, if you're cutting it down to thirty minutes, you know, not as bad, but yeah.
0: I just think about like. I'm not giving you business advice because trust me, that's not what I'm doing here. I, I don't know anything myself, but like, it's like when we started the podcast, it's like we had somebody made the logo for us. We figured out like people were willing to chip in. It's like finding the right team. Like you are the right team member to like get this live coverage rolling. You have a passion, you have skill, and you have a desire to get this out to the community. And it's like assembling your team to get it off the ground where it's like somebody listening might be a great video editor and say, you know what? I'm willing to spend... Two weeks of my time after work to do this, just so I know a good product gets out there. Finding another team member or two to like clean everything up on the back end, or like to just give more options, right? Because your time is so valuable and your money resources are limited. You're a family guy working a job doing this out of passion. It's like if you could just find the right people that hear the message, right? That could that could help on some of those regards. You could take something that is content like needs like needs improvement in people's eyes and put together something like. Really well rounded live, which it already is getting there, and then on the back end, but it's just like finding those team that team like you. Like we need more Jasons from every angle. Is that possible?
2: It is, but it's really hard to find all yeah. those people. The OCR report will is doing a great job of of not just like bringing people in left and right, so you don't so you make sure you've got a group that meshes well. And and he starting you know he started slow and we actually just had a guy join us fairly recently that I I guess he hasn't even announced yet uh, and he he's a younger guy who just gotten in Spartan like a couple of years ago his name's Jared and he does live streaming himself for or like YouTube's he does a lot of YouTube stuff himself so he he doesn't know the live streaming side of it but he knows the analytics behind YouTube and the kind of things that we should be doing to help make it better. He, he made all the, uh, images, the thumbnails for all the YouTube videos for OCRWC. Like he's got some skills and seems like a passion for it too. So, you know, we slowly, like we know we need to grow because we need bodies to be able to Mm -hmm. do the work, but, Mm -hmm. uh, it's gotta be slow or else it's going to be a bunch of people that we either don't like or they're not good or whatever.
1: All right. My last question about the actual performance of the live stream. If you took us out of it, if you took the commentating booth out of it, does that positively impact the quality of what you can put out there in terms of just less choppiness? Are we too much draw on the system?
2: no the the fact that we're working from a remote machine at this point mm-hmm. it's not It's not enough bandwidth that you guys are not that impactful. To take up the bandwidth that the cell phones are not getting enough bandwidth. Okay. So, what's coming from the cell phones and coming in is what it is, and the network that the remote machine is on can handle it just fine. So, having extra commentators doesn't hurt anything. Now, when I produced on site, like in Utah,
0: it did make a difference. So, but the way we're doing it now, it doesn't. Okay. It's a fair question. So where do you see this all going then? So as of now, the plan is to continue picking up races and whatever races either excite you seem worth the time and money investment on your half. Like how does the this project into the future then? Like what are, what what's your intent? What's your plans with uh, the live coverage and all that?
2: Well, things have been pretty open so far, and I think we're ready to start like, you know, kind of making deals and like saying, all right, this is going to be the plan for the year. And we've kind of made agreements with these races to be able to provide that. So that way we can plan ahead better and, and make the quality that much better because of the, the extra planning time. Uh, so continuing work with Spartan, hopefully. Um, they they like working with us, and we like working with them, and, and uh, they've got, obviously, the races with the most pros at them. So those are the ones that we want to do the most. Um, we actually, if y'all hadn't seen it, We'll put out a video where he's talking to Chris Maltby, I think, from Tough, uh, Tough Mutter. We're going to live stream the uh, World's Toughest Mutter this year, um, which is going to be a challenge in itself. Oh, um, yeah. A 24-hour live stream. And um, OCRWC, we definitely want to work with them again next year because they're amazing people, put on an amazing race. So we are that's already talking, what, five races for Spartan for the National Series. Uh, OCRWC and World's Toughest Mudder, that's seven races right there. So that's seven months worth of time commitment. And, uh, if we can, if we, if we, if we get the money from sponsors to make it worthwhile to keep doing it and do it more often, then we would want to look at, okay, who, what other races can we expand to? I would love to work with Savage because they'd put on phenomenal races and the fact that they've got the series going, Mm -hmm. um, Sam seems hard to get hold of. I don't know if he doesn't like us or what, but I've tried reaching out to him a lot and have had struggles. Um, so Savage would, would be the next best uh, pickup, I think. And then there's lots of little races like Battle of the Lions. I know Sid and, and, and David pretty well, so I, I like working with them. They're actually having a race uh, later this in October, just definitely 20 minutes from me. So I'll probably live stream that one on a very lower um scale uh aspect so little things like that are always fun to do but really spartan ocrwc world's t- uh world's toughest uh, and maybe even you know some of the t- overnight toughest would be fun too abu dhabi abu dhabi would be great um it, it's 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 a possibility but it's nothing's uh been decided on yet okay
1: is this the type of thing That in order to make it good, not good, in order to make it great at the small scale, it has to be bigger. Like, would this have to turn into a full-time production company? Is this the type of thing that you could say, all right, if I could put on cover local marathons, triathlons, CrossFit competitions, then... You could justify with all that additional revenue making the big purchases and then do OCR at a higher level. Is this something that you could see? A, that's the only way to get there. And B, would you leave your job to do it full time?
2: That is a, a, a tough question because the reason I do it is because I love OCR. Mm-hmm. And do I like, you know, I road run here and there, but it's not my passion. Do I want to watch road running on my Saturday morning because I'm producing it? Not really. Uh, <laughs> and at, so far, we've said, let's focus on OCR because we can we can expand into hybrid racing pretty easily, Decafit mm-hmm. and High Rocks. But I don't want to do that until I know I've got the, the time and I'm not taking away what's making OCR coverage better. So it's possible. Uh, and if... I guess if you told me I can do this full time but I've got to cover all these different types of events, uh, but I do get to do OCR and it pays my uh salary, then sure. As long as it's not taken away from what we're getting to do with OCR and, and like I don't wanna I don't wanna do it at the detriment of making OCR coverage better.
0: So best case scenario if things go as planned or as hoped. Um Say we're sitting here next year having the same conversation, September twenty twenty three. Where is the live coverage and OCR report at compared to now, as far as the whole structure looks? Like what would be what would be best case scenario a year from now?
2: A year from now, I would hope that we have like basically signed deals with you know a race series, like Spartan and the national series saying, We know we're gonna cover these races, and Spartan has signed and said yes so that we can sell it to advertisers and sponsors. So we can make, you know, package deals and say, all right, we we can expect to get this many, you know, just knowing all the details behind it. We can expect to get this many views. You can sign up for a little bug in the corner, or you can do the big thing where we say it's all presented by you and having that stuff, like, packaged up and laid out so that we can sell it to them more easily. That would be the hope.
0: Okay. Um, So like in a, not even a dream scenario, but in a realistic scenario to be able to put this all on and even like break even or be able to reinvest in new equipment to make the production better. Like this isn't really, I mean, right now looking short-term, short-term being a year, like we're looking to make the production better, have the money not come out of your own personal bank account have this just fund itself and you're still donating your time basically. And then I assume if you were to be able to get sponsors and, and get this thing really rolling, reinvest in, in equipment, and then anything after that, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But right now we're looking to make this like a self-sustaining project, correct for the time being, or am I misunderstanding?
2: Yes. If it self sustains and, I think once it gets self-sustaining, then we'll have a better understanding of what is the possibilities with ads and sponsors to bring in more revenue. You know, how how big can it go? Because, I mean, you see other countries like Warrior Race and some of these other races have really big sponsors. I mean, even Canada in Kelowna had Nissan as one of their sponsors. So the sponsors are out there. It's just finding out if in America are they willing to you know sponsor what we're doing
1: Well, and that's when it gets exciting a company like Nissan it's a drop in the bucket to sponsor yeah. production a company like Mudgear that is their marketing budget to spar- sponsor production and finding something big enough that yeah why wouldn't I throw you know twenty, thirty grand at this
2: yeah and it's it's awesome it would be awesome to say you know we only stick with things we believe in and the the products that are are OCR centric but it doesn't have to be like uh, Will said it really well one day like you know I race but I still have insurance and that insurance pays for me if I get hurt on the course so it's still relevant you know you can mm-hmm. have sponsors that don't exactly make sense for OCR like right out the box but there's still sponsors that's fine yeah, it's, it's just stepping away from the idealization of what a sponsor should be.
0: Yeah, are there um are there any numbers you have any idea of? Like Bracken and I, for example, like if we were to pick up a sponsor for our podcast, which we've had the opportunity to, we've just said no. Um, but real lucrative, like you know, five thousand downloads or more per episode, for example, that might be entry level sponsorship from some niche companies that is going to hit your target audience. Is there like a viewership on YouTube number to target? Is there anything like that where you need to see metrics hit a certain level? Do you know?
2: Not that we know of yet because, you know, we're still digging into that ourselves. You know, YouTube itself, you can monetize after hitting certain numbers and we're getting close to that because our, 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 I mean, we had less than 400 subscribers, before OCRWC and now we've got almost 700. So we grew just, you know, we grew almost a hundred percent over the course of a weekend because of one show. So at some point, you know, YouTube will pay us a little bit. Will that help? Probably. Um, yeah. So, uh, what was the question again?
0: Oh, it's just, do you have any idea what you need to hit for as far as numbers? Like, oh, to, No. for people to like, be coming to you being like, Jason, we want in man. Like, you know, um,
2: yeah, not really. And as our, I know as our channel grows and as our reach grows, that'll bring in more viewers too. Because it's easy to see, like, here's what Spartan got at their best. So we kind of know where the <laughs> the ceiling is, and or not necessarily the ceiling, but like as best OCR's done in the past, and maybe it can go from there. But yeah, we're not definitely not there yet, just because our reach is not that far.
0: Makes sense. I didn't know if you had numbers or not. I'm I'm we were always looking at our downloads and figuring oh, out Oh we're
2: we're hoping we we gotta learn it. <laughs> we still yeah. gotta learn that piece.
1: Hmm. Well we've kind of driven this.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say what questions have we not asked that we're curious about here.
1: Yeah, on your side, you, you obviously see things from a different perspective. What what do other people need or should know or be interesting to know about the production side that Kirk and I haven't brought up yet today?
2: The things that people need to know. Um, At this point, it is basically all cell phones and uh, and video feeds. It's just all about knowing the right
1: software and settings within those softwares to make it work. Um, Is it a lowest common denominator thing? Like if you have seven phones out there, it's got to be the setting that supports the worst, oldest, slowest phone. Or is that an oversimplification of it?
2: You know, mentioning oldest, slowest phone is actually, uh, something that I, I've been dealing with. Uh, obviously we saw some phones at OCRWC where it's like, cause I asked everybody ahead of time, what kind of phone do you have? Do you mind if we use your data? most nowadays, everybody's like, Oh yeah, I got unlimited data. No, no big deal. But newer phones, like an iPhone 10 versus an iPhone 11 is a pretty big jump because as far as i recall the iPhone 10s and i, I could be wrong but they didn't have video stabilization they didn't have a wide angle lens so even just that by itself makes a big difference hmm. so at at some point it would be awesome for us to be like yeah we've got our phones that we use for all the productions but when you're reaching out to volunteers um you know, you kind of run with what you got. And actually like one of the guys that we had for OCOWC the first day that he, he grabbed it for us. I didn't realize that the stabilization was off on his phone. And so his was real shaky. But then the second day we put it on and gave him a gimbal. And it was like some of the best shots we got. So those, the types of phones you got make a
1: huge difference. Google pixel, Android, Uh, If you had, like, Samsung Galaxy, iPhone, what is the best for live streaming? Or is it negligible between flagship phones? I
2: don't think I've seen a... Yeah, I think the flagship ones are all pretty comparable. iPhones versus uh, Android phones have all the same settings when it comes to the the app that I use. So it's it's fine either way. Um, I haven't really noticed anything that makes a big difference in either one. As long as they've got wide-angle lens and, and camera stabilization, then I'm good. Right on.
0: I'm trying to think what I haven't uh, itches I have not scratched yet.
2: We could also mention just like the coordination during the show itself, you know, talk about producing being a one-man producer, s- switching cameras, bringing up graphics, talking to the commentators, when necessary, talking to the rabbits. And trying to to direct them when necessary, all that's happening at the same time. And then when you throw a wrench in it, like something goes wrong, or for some weird reason this button is no longer bringing up the obstacle screen, instead it's bringing up the map, and I don't know why. And trying to troubleshoot that on the fly, that's where it just gets wild. But that's uh, you know, as a one-man show, you got to handle, you got to throw, you got to juggle all of it at the same time.
1: How many bodies would you need? best case scenario
2: I could have one person switching cameras, one person uh uh directing the i could probably have one person directing the rabbits and the commentators at the same time, one person doing uh, instant replays, one person doing graphics, and one person coordinating the rabbits with their gear um' so at
0: least five would be good mm. <laughs> you're doing five people's job
1: yeah at least. But what are you doing then in that situation? Here's kicking back. Are you six or are you one of the five? I don't know. Maybe in that situation,
2: uh, yeah, I'm either one of the five or I get to race again. <laughs>
0: Imagine that. You
1: know, you'd just be in charge of putting out fires. You, you're not getting back on the course. <laughs> right. Right.
0: <laughs> are you racing at all the remainder of the year for yourself?
2: No, I don't think I have any races mm. on schedule. Now I could, I'll probably battle the Lions since they're close. I'll probably do the live stream. Oh, I lie. I, I am doing one. So, I can do the live stream and then run the course after. So, that'll be fun. But um t- uh toughest Dallas, sorry. Tough Mudder Infinity is the weekend after uh Blue Mountain, and a buddy's coming into town to run it, and I wasn't planning on running it, but since he's going to be here for Halloween weekend, I was like, "Let me let me just run with you," but then I was like, "Let me turn this into a thing." So, I'm planning to actually live stream that. But it's going to be me on course running, you know, for eight hours or whatever it is to uh, just kind of get an atmosphere of what the course is like. So it's going to be a little different than the normal live shows that we've done. But you know, it's trying to branch it out and see what else can we do to you know provide some fun content. Cool. But that's it.
0: Yeah. No, that's enough. I was just curious if you're if you're passing the torch from your racing self to your production self, pretty symbolically or not. No,
2: not, not, not entirely. I do still, like, as long as the production goes well, then I'm like, okay, my conscience is cleared. I don't feel like it's destroyed me mentally. I want to get out on course afterwards and go run. Uh, actually after, uh, Kelowna, uh, we went, me and Jack went and ran the course backwards. And so I got to get on the course a little bit. And then when we ran back in, we did the obstacles on the way in. And it was awesome because, um, Chris Mendoza was coming in through his finish to finish the ultra at that point. So we got the run in the rest of the way with him. So that was a good time. That's pretty So as much as I can, I will keep uh, running. I, uh, you know, keep uh, the whole reason I got into this is exercise and being healthy. So, you know, continuing to work out and, uh, try to get better. Not, not let sitting behind the computer get me fat.
1: Well, I'm going to be that person who's spreading rumors, but there's a little buzz going on that one of the major race organizations next year might be putting on a little bit of a shorter outdoor offering that probably won't be getting too far up into the mountains. So maybe there's another mini series that has some production opportunities. I'll just let that rumor spread from there. Mm. Okay.
0: Nice. Looks like we're about at time here, Jason. So Wanna say uh it's been a pleasure working with you so far. You've made it very, very smooth, very easy, very thoughtless on my end. I don't know, Bracken, you probably feel the same way, but <laughs> for it's it's been a breeze in a sense where like uh things are taken care of and, and the flow of what we've been doing so far together has been really nice and very easy. You guys, you and Will have been very supportive of us and vice versa. So it's been uh like I said to Bracken, and, and maybe I said this on one of our podcast episodes after our first live broadcast, but I wasn't, wasn't necessarily sure I wanted to sacrifice a Saturday morning to do a live broadcast because my weekends are sacred. And after the experience doing the first one we did, um, you know, I mentioned to do more. I really enjoyed it. And it says a lot for me to in quotes, give up a Saturday morning and everything around. It's just been a positive experience as far as working with you guys. Just want to say thanks for that. And I um, appreciate what you're doing. Well, thank you guys. I'm
2: I am very honored to be able to and I know I've told you all this before, but I'm honored to work with you guys. I I wasn't uh an athlete that, you know, has this background to like get into the athletes the elites club. I mean, obviously, you know, you, people know the athletes. It's easier to know each other as athletes. And I haven't had that. I, my entry is kind of forced in from this thing, but it's been a real pleasure to work with guys like you and all the other commentators that we've had and OCRWC and people at Tough Mudder. Like it's really awesome. And I'm very like, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a dream, but you I, I can, I'm, I'm not even killed. So I can, I am not like, I can't believe this is happening. I'm not like that, but I am very thankful that it is happening because it's a blast and it's a real honor to work with everybody we've gotten to work with so far.
1: I think it's the power of this community. They're yeah. not really mm-hmm. tears.
2: Well, yeah. I, something that I've learned is, you know, how people that you think, you know, celebrities, people that you think are up on this podium, uh, are they're they're not in their mind. Like, I, I feel bad if you don't remember it, but I feel like you remember the first time we met, Bracken. What was I wearing? <laughs> it was in Dallas after a stadium race at uh, Cody Thrift's house.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I believe that I was uh, sweating my butt off playing some uh, basketball <laughs> on the second floor in the little Papa shot. Actually, it was kitchen, I think. You were in the kitchen.
2: Uh, it was outside, in the back. Kitchen connects to the outside. Right next to the kitchen.
1: Yeah. This guy has this pretty sweet house, Kirk. He's got this. <laughs> it's like the alt- The whole thing's a man cave.
2: They were cooking in there with a with an egg, one of his green egg. eggs. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, seeing people and just being so surprised at how. People remember me from whatever, and so it's like, wow, people—people people are awesome. And obviously, some people aren't, but for the most part, everybody's really awesome, and that's—that is a—it's a great aspect of this community.
0: Other than a few who get a lot of attention sometimes, but whatever. <laughs> We—that's uh, wrap. <laughs> yeah, that's <a> rad. Yeah. <laughs> it is a great community, man. I'll tell you what. After just talking with you today about, like, I don't know how. Let's say how this this has gotten itself started. lot of respect for you man for uh making this happen and and Thank donating you. your time and resources. um i would say uh people should d- definitely be looking at this through a a different lens in a, in a positive light knowing that you know this is a hustle and damn it do i respect a hustle. so
2: and if we be successful with this, that's great. But just like any other venture, you gotta go into it saying this could be a failure. It may not work out. Mm-hmm. At some point, we we may just have to say let's we have to stop doing it because of one reason or another. But I'm glad to be on that adventure, whether we fail or not. Love it. I mean that that's uh, endurance racing, right?
1: Yep. him putting a little bow tie in this episode for us.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Jason.
2: <laughs> no problem. We'll <laughs> see you soon. All right, guys. Thanks.
0: Appreciate your time.